0: Morning, Heartland. Uh, Welcome to another edition of The Pulse. Uh, I'm excited uh, with the guest that we have today because it's his first time, um, a guy that I have to listen to almost every day, and for once he actually has to listen to me, at least for a few minutes. I'm sure he'll do most of the talking. Uh, And we're sitting face-to-face with each other, which is always fun when we do that for a Pulse episode. Uh, But today I am talking to one of our senior vice presidents of sales, uh, the one, the only, Mr. Vince Lombardo. How are you, Vince?
1: I'm good, John. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of
0: course. We're, uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about today. Um, obviously there's a lot of exciting changes that are, uh, that have been announced or that are coming in the next few weeks. Um, some of the really cool things with the diamond program. Uh, I think the TM component is certainly one of the exciting things. Obviously the the increased residuals with the move of All-Star into the diamond, the the new Stronger Together, I think Jason talked about that in the video. Um, But one of the things that, uh, that wasn't necessarily in some of the diamond announcements, but was in some of the sales policy changes that just came out on the first, Uh, is talking about leads and lead management and kind of what that is. And you've been, you and the new ruggedly handsome guy in charge of marketing have been instrumental in in kind of building this new framework, um, some of which is already happening a little bit and people don't know about it, some of which is going to come here uh, very shortly. Uh, But I figured we would take some time today to kind of talk about that. Does that sound good?
1: Yeah, there's lots of really exciting things going on right now. And uh, one of them happens to be that we are finally ready to publicly acknowledge that we are wanting to create leads for a sales organization um, in certain, you know, quantities, areas and rules and responsibilities that we'll talk about. But, uh, yeah, you and I are getting to partner on this and uh, I'm excited about what, what future uh, exists there. And so I thought it was appropriate that we chat about that today because uh, I want to make sure people hear not just in a written form of an email announcement, but, you know, how passionate we are about creating these opportunities for them.
0: Yeah. So let's let's start by maybe defining some of the terms, if that works. Sure. So when, when we say lead, um, what what do we mean by that? And how does that differ from referral and some of the other things yeah. that kind of float out there in, in the Heartland ecosystem?
1: Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, you could probably look this up in a dictionary and get a different answer or even talk <laughs> to other sales organizations or some salespeople who work here have different pasts uh, in, in different organizations and their definitions of these roles. But You know, pursuant to our world, which is what I want to spend our time talking about today, uh, we want to make sure everybody is clear and understanding the difference between a referral and a lead. Uh, And so for our world at Heartland, we've defined a referral as an activity that takes place between two people within the organization. That might be a spa and an RM sharing business back and forth. Uh, In the future, it may be a commerce uh, partner or an RM or a commerce partner or a spa. Any of those mix, sharing referrals back and forth. It could be and RM sending a, an opportunity into the eBiz team here in Oklahoma City to help them with the e-commerce as part of their brick and mortar sale that they made. And so if, if somebody who is an existing uh, you know, employee has a relationship and wants to partner with someone else in the organization to bring more opportunity into that relationship for Heartland, we call that a referral. And those have varying levels of of splits based on the environments, uh, mostly 50-50 splits. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the new sales policies that are being released on December 1st uh, that you can access through the HLA, you can see exactly what referral compensation or split compensation looks like for each of those referral environments. The lead environment, as we'll call it at Heartland, is more about when the organization invests time, money, uh, resources, to create opportunities that might not otherwise exist for a sales professional within the organization. Um, And we've done this for a long time at Heartland through what we would call inbound leads. Mm -hmm. They used to just flow through the service center and fly out the window to some random individual that somebody liked (laughs) to send leads to. And and, uh, nobody liked that. So we we re-engineered and worked all that out. And everybody knows we have a team here in Oklahoma City of four full-time people who handle inbound leads and Mm -hmm. qualify them and send them out to division managers for assignment. And for a long time, that's been all the quote leads that we create for them. Um, And that's changing with you and I's effort combined here and what we're talking about today. So specifically I'd say referral means two people sharing an interest in a business, opportunities in a business that are both employees. Leads means something that we're creating for a sales rep on behalf of that sales rep with investment from the organization.
0: So b- before we get any farther down the lead conversation, um, a few others that may feel the same way, but I wanna make sure we, we distinguish. Uh, so when we talk about leads or referrals, and then we talk about something like uh, maybe a bank partnership, how is that different or the same, and uh, especially in the world as we're moving into?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. and. Um... For you know, A lot of people don't know this, but one of the amazing benefits that's coming out of the Heartland Global integration uh, when we got acquired by Global is, Global had a very small sales team of 20 or so salespeople, but they had these bank, bank relationships all around the US mm-hmm. and several hundred branches of banks that um, are more than excited about Heartland's value proposition for their customers and want to engage with our sales force. Uh, those are, as we define them, leads because it is a partner of ours um, that we have spent time, money, or resources as an organization to create opportunity for a sales rep. Right. Uh, so those will have the same cost of a lead, per se, that other leads will um, when we assign people to work a bank branch. And we can get into that a little bit later in uh, our time here today and talk about some of the rules around being assigned to a bank. But yeah. banks will fall under the same bucket of leads that, uh, th- that we're defining here because it's not an internal employee referring business back and forth. Now, I'll also say that's it's important to note if, if you were a sales professional, John, and you've worked here for a month or a year or 10 years, and you have 10 relationships that are meaningful to you, that bring you business, that are currently sending you opportunities regularly, point-of-sale partnerships and, and, and CPAs and bookkeepers and things like that, right. th- that's right. not anything that we're going to change at all. You own those. They're yours. You work you work them every day, that's fine. Um, And we're not going to call those leads per se, because those are relationships that you have. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of a fuzziness in these definitions that we just need people to kind of, I guess, sensibly understand that if we're going to go out and create an investment of our time, energy, and resources as a business, you and I, as a team, to go drive new opportunities in front of people, that's when there will be you know, a cost to an individual because they're receiving a lead yeah. uh, that is different than the cost an individual may have for receiving a referral or splitting a deal. So the, I
0: mean, obviously the the idea of splitting referrals makes a ton of sense, right? You've got two people now that are, yep. uh, are working in the relationship, they're each benefiting from it. Uh, what's the thought process behind uh, I know you've talked about investment, but the idea of putting a cost with the lead instead of it being something that we just kind of give people carte blanche. Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Um, You know, it's as as simple as saying that if you were to operate a lemonade stand and you had 50 cents of costs in your cups of lemonade every time you sell a cup and you wanted to make 50 cents a cup because that was the the margins that you agreed as a business you were going to make. Uh, you weren't going to sell it for less than a dollar and you weren't going to have more than 50 cents of cost or you would have to raise your price. Mm-hmm. And not, not to be so you know basic about it, but we have a very rich compensation plan. And uh, I, I understand that there's oftentimes advertisements and, and uh, LinkedIn hits and ISOs and even, even a few people who used to work at Heartland who are trying to get people to come work for them uh, you know, at ISOs now that, that are saying, more than what we offer in, in compensation money and more than we have in residuals. and It's the old question of you know, 50% of what, 30% of what? right? Because sure. there's such yeah. transparency in our model. But with that transparency comes the understanding that we all have to have as reasonable people that businesses exist to make money. And mm-hmm. we work under a publicly traded organization and we have shareholders we have to report to a board and we have to show profits. So we can't continue to just increase costs and not show returns. Um, and with our compensation plan, our incentives layered on top of that and all the costs to operate the sales support models that we have, you know, we have a lot of money invested into our sales organization as is. For us to go and just start piling money into the resources of driving leads without having that money come from somewhere would break the mold. It, it would cause the, the, the $0.50 cent cost of lemonade for the cup go up to $0.70, cents, but we'd still be selling it for a dollar. So. And so it, it's one of these really simple math problems where Someone's gotta pay for it, right. um, and, and I think it's pretty easy to defend if the leads are quality, and, and, uh, and they make sense for the rep that gets assigned to the lead, and the closing ratios are high, and the margins are appropriate in the deals. Uh, it's interesting, but some people have asked how we set the, quote, cost of a lead, right, which, which is 25% of a deal, right. um, and we went out to almost all of our black diamonds about a year ago when we started thinking and dreaming about how we wanted to do this. And we went to several of our Blue Diamonds and a lot of DMs and VPs in the organization and said, hey, would you take a qualified opportunity for 75% of the margin on your board and your full comp factors on that 75%? Three quarters of the deal's value is still yours. And unequivocally, 100% of the people said all day long and twice on Sunday, I would take that. So in part, this isn't something we just kind of built in a vacuum and right. came up with on paper, right? Sure. This is something we went out like we try to do always before we make change and got input. And the field input is, I would love leads. Please give me more leads. I have no problem paying for them at this price. And so we've built our entire program that you and I are executing on on, on understanding what that means for us from an impact of What is our budget to drive leads if we retain 25% of a sale that happens from leads? So everything's been backward math worked from there. And that's how we, A, arrived at the cost, and B, can defend, in my opinion, pretty honestly and transparently, why there's a 25% cost to a deal that comes from our lead generation team.
0: Well, and I think you made a great point that this isn't, uh, it's not just Heartland going out and buying a list of merchants and then divvying the list up and charging people for it, right? right, it's, right. There's, there is a whole process of baiting the hook and then making sure that they're actually interested in multiple touch points on my team and on the lead um, development team before it ever even makes it to a sales professional so that we aren't giving them just dead wood.
1: Yeah, there, there's a funny misnomer that the, the sales force has, and um, and it's not not to judge anybody. I had the same misnomer before I understood it, because uh, I often think very much like a sales professional myself. Sure. Um, and, and that is that if an inbound lead comes in, somebody goes to the website and says, hey, I want to buy from you, or they call the service center and say, hey, my buddy John knows you, I want to buy. Uh, that that's just some knockdown simple thing that happens. Of oh, we'll just go close that deal today. And what they don't know is that on inbound leads, we actually still make on average more than six calls per lead opportunity that comes across our desk to get someone to answer the phone and say, yes, I actually am interested. And then there's that qualification call where we find out, okay, is this business of what size in what area? Is it even something we can process for? Because if we simply just funnel stuff out to the field, the complaint we would get back is you're sending me a bunch of wood, right? I'm not interested in that. And I wasted my time driving across town and it's no good. We want to make sure that if something appears in an inbox of a sales rep, it's a legit opportunity to go make some money. Um, and and it's been vetted by us and the quality standards that we have. And we're not going to get it right every time, John. You know that, I know that, and we're not going to commit to that. Sure. But we really want to have a high level of quality in what we call a lead and send over the fence to the field to sell. Um, And it takes six, seven calls to get a person on the phone, qualify them, and get the lead out to the field. And that's something people don't realize. Um, It's not as simple as it feels or sounds sometimes.
0: Or in our case, uh, sometimes it takes a dozen or more pieces of content or touches yeah. or anything like yeah. that to even get them yeah. to be an inbound lead before the phone calls happen. Before the six
1: phone calls. Right. I mean, yeah. the work that goes involved from getting a stranger to know that they have interest in buying from us is something that you and I, in this process of learning over the last year <laughs> and digging in, has even blown our minds. It has, uh, yeah. And the statistics that we see that are, quote, uh, relevant in the industry, just, they're amazing to us. Um, I, I know I'm speaking for you in that, but we've talked about it offline, and it, uh, it, it it's amazing what what amount of work it takes to take something that's not there and turn it into something tangible for a rep at Heartland to go out and make money off of. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's easily underestimated because it was by us as well, um, but I think we're figuring it out.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, it, it's exciting. I know at least for my team, it's exciting that they're, that we've kind of built the framework to be able to um, to go out and reach these people to generate that kind of interest, then to qualify that interest and eventually turn that into success for the sales professional or sales professionals in plural that end up with those leads. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that probably should have existed at yeah, some point. A long time ago. Yeah. But, uh, but it's exciting to get to kind of see it in its, in its startup stage. And, uh, and we've got a couple campaigns that are already running that we're seeing some early success on. And so it's been neat to see uh, this stuff actually work.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Heartland's one of these funny companies because if as we, as we hire people who have a lot of experience from other companies, they come in and they're shocked at some of the stuff that we do have. And they're blown away at some of the stuff that we don't have. Right. And all the DMs that hear this are probably thinking, man, I wish I had leads to tell people in interviews that we have leads. Because it's the number one thing that we hear from a new hire coming in. Uh, is is that you know that do you have leads and how many? And I'll you know I'll just pause a moment and I'll say that the the raw sales talent of hunting for business has become more of a a rarity in today's society sure. than maybe we would like at yeah. Heartland. Um, and there is there's a sense of purity and honesty about being a guy that that found the opportunity and knocked it down. I, I, th- I think of um, that, that, uh, that movie with the partially handicapped guy, the door-to-door salesman that was selling cleaning chemicals or whatever, mm-hmm. I can't remember his name, but you know, th- there, there was just this raw sense of joy about not having a clue who was on the other side of a door, meeting that person, building a relationship, and, and, and offering them something of value. And that has become a lost art, I think, in, in, in the United States today. And I, I'm, I'm very prideful of the fact that we at Heartland are, are continuing to perpetuate what that means. I was on the phone yesterday with a division manager who was saying that she just really wants hunters in, in, in her pipeline of recruits. You know, right. She wants people to know what it means to hunt. And I said to her, that, that's fantastic. I agree with you, but you might need to teach some people how to do that <laughs> because there are, there are fewer of those out there than you realize because what all of these other companies in the sales industry have done is gone out and built this engine we're trying to build right. and created this world of leads where they need to hire closers, but we'll find the opportunities for you. And I guess I want to make sure that everybody knows that's not you and I's intent here at all. No, not at all. We will never be a company that gives everybody all of their opportunities on a platter and they just have to go close them. And I'm sorry if that upsets people that are listening to this or or maybe thought that was where we were headed. But we're not going to promise five leads a week per person or two leads a week per person. We're going to simply say that we are going to invest a lot of time, energy and resources to create opportunities that are hopefully incremental, which we'll talk about in just a moment to the existing results of a sales professional at Heartland who understands the art of finding and hunting that opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great point because in order to build that kind of engine that would do five leads a week, that, again, that cost of the cup of lemonade would go through the roof. Compensation right? would
1: change a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no way we
0: could we could have anything anywhere close to the 94 plan. Right. Uh, the splits would turn it into everybody else's comp plan, and that takes away, I think, part of what makes Heartland so unique for people that are willing to go out and hunt and, and eat what they kill.
1: Yeah. Yeah, people, it's funny, people sometimes forget that when they, it's that old, they dodge, uh, be careful what you wish for. You know? Right. I want leads, I want leads. Okay, well, what if it comes at a significant reduction in your compensation? Well, I don't know if I want leads. <laughs> um, and, and to your point, and we haven't run the models on that because it's never our interest. We don't want to ever change our comp plan, right? right. And we've got right. that commitment from Global, and we're going to continue to perpetuate the Heartland value proposition out there. But we want to find a way to incrementally offer people a little more without having to put the amount of effort in they put in now to find source and close their own deals like they have to today. So on the subject of incremental, because it's a super important part of this discussion, um, one of our philosophies is that every lead we send across the fence shouldn't be part of somebody's existing success. So let's say, John, that you're a sales rep and you've been here for a couple years. And, you know, you average typically $8,500 a month in margin. You're a red diamond and experiencing those benefits and going to conference every year. And and happy where you're at, and that's the income you've built as a plan for your family, and everything's great. Sure. You get a lead, we expect that you as an individual start doing, say, $9,500 or $10,000 with that one lead a month that you close. And we're not going to measure that on every lead you get, but we are going to look at who's getting leads, what's closing, and is it leading to a higher incremental lift in their production compared to what they were doing before they had the lead. And if it's not, those people probably are going to have a coaching session with their leader to figure out why. Because what we don't want to do is have John, as an $8,500 rep, stay an $8,500 wrap and start getting three or four leads a month from the company. Right. Because that doesn't help anybody. In fact, all it did was reduce John's compensation. And and as you know, as a bottom-up organization who's trying to help people live the life of their dreams and build financial security and wealth and freedom and all those things, it doesn't help anybody if the engine you and I build actually reduces the paychecks in the household. Now, it might make the quality of life better. They might work less. They might have more time to spend with their families because they're not cold calling as much. But that's not why we're building this program. Right. And it's right. probably one of the points I want to be more clear about than any that we are expecting people who opt in to receive leads at Heartland to be individuals who understand that they're. That we're asking them to continue to do what they're capable of doing and have historically proven on their own, and that the leads become the ice cream on top of of the cake, or you know, uh, the opportunity on top of what they're currently. Proving they're capable of doing.
0: Right. It's uh it's wooden bat versus aluminum bat, right? Like we we know you can hit twenty home runs with a wooden bat. We're gonna give you an aluminum bat what and expect you, you to hit forty, right. not hit twenty and go home an hour early. Right.
1: Or right. hit twenty that just go farther into the stance. Right. Right. That's right. not that doesn't work. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great point, because that uh you're it's it's one of the things that is certainly a part of this is there there is gonna be that temptation to just put less effort in because now now you don't have to hunt as much to hit the same number you were hitting before. And I I don't think that's what, it's certainly not what we want for folks. It's it's not what the organization wants because it just leaves them in the same static place. Um, but it's, it's going to be something that I think everybody's going to have to take a little bit of a gut check and a little bit of an honest, self-aware look at themselves and say, okay, here's what I'm capable of, and then what they're giving me on top of that is gravy.
1: Absolutely. So I'll say it like this. Um, Price Like a Diamond came out for the credit card uh, side of the house, the, the the traditional channel of RMs in September, if I remember correctly, uh, late August. And we found that pretty quickly on, people were clicking the button a lot in price Like a Diamond Right. And Price Like a Diamond is a genius invention on, on, on behalf of Kent Sissel and his team. I uh, want to make sure we give credit where credit is due. Because it, it calls out people before the relationship begins to say, hey, you're not charging as much as you could be based on market pricing and diamond pricing that we see in the industry. You should relook at this and say, is there more opportunity in this? Right. The problem is, if, if you're a rep and today you close five deals a month, and let's say that they're all worth $1,500, that's $7,500 in margin. If your price like a diamond puts you to a place where you're closing $1,800 deals and you start closing four deals a month, you're not doing any better for your family. You're just holding more margin in your deals. Right. And while I can say that's great and I'm proud of you for thinking about yourself in a higher level of value offering than you were before, um, I, I don't know. I, I want to know that I go to bed at night knowing that, that I work with an organization of people who constantly look for the next opportunity and, and the next uh, obstacle getting out of the way of their life, and the next big thing that they have in their hopes and their dreams, and the, whatever it is, financial or otherwise, and not people who are comfortable where they're at. Um, I, I think I've seen a lot of organizations, and, and frankly, I've seen Heartland at times in my tenure here, get comfortable. Mm-hmm. And we don't put our energy and resources into these projects, like Price Like a Diamond or Lead Generation, with the intent of people having more comfort and producing at the same level. And, and I think that you will see, you know, the, the, the mental wiring of our top-tier diamond professionals as such, they always want to achieve at the next level. We see that yeah. in the diamond program. Yeah. And that's not to knock anybody who's not in the diamond program yet. I'm sure you could be wired the same way. But we know that if we put the right, I don't know, recipe of ingredients out there for them, they will continue to set new records and new bars and new levels of achievement that have otherwise felt impossible to many people in the past.
0: Well, and in some ways, that's the way the diamond program was built, right? The benefits you unlock as you move up aren't necessarily designed to make, uh, to make you comfortable. They're designed to give you even more tools. To do more. To do even more, yep. yeah. To set and, your
1: sights on a bigger goal.
0: And it's one of, it's always been one of the, you know, not so hidden secrets of our black diamonds is it's, they're not whale hunters, yep. and they're not just signing nothing but big deals. They hold more value hence the price like a diamond and they work hard i mean they put a lot of hours into what they do that's kind of the secret to getting to be a black diamond or a double black diamond
1: yep they absolutely do
0: so you mentioned uh in passing as we were talking about the incremental kind of what the expectations are going to be for people who opt in uh will you tell me just a little bit more about kind of how that program is going to work Uh, Because I think that's one thing that we need to make sure that people understand is that leads aren't automatically going to come to everyone. Yeah. There is some expectations on the other side and some skin in the game.
1: Yeah. So this is where we'll talk a little more about the banks too. And maybe I'll go there first. Um, so, so several hundred bank branches are in the fold now at Heartland, and we want to assign those to reps. We're going to start with our diamond reps, and, and in fact, we we have kind of an internal understanding we want green diamond reps or better to be the assigned people to banks. We'll dip into the red diamond tier if there are not enough reps to bank ratio in an area. Okay, um, but we're not going to have one rep managing forty branches or fifty branches. We're not <laughs> going to. We want to make sure that the right amount of touching is happening with the bank, the right amount of hand-holding and relationship building is going on in that environment so that we continue to drive more business out of that bank relationship. So if you were to be offered a bank branch or two or five uh, as a sales rep, because you're a green diamond and we come to you, you're going to agree to go through the bank training for that specific bank, which we, we do electronically through our internal training team. Yeah. Uh, and in that training, there's, a, there's an agreement form that you're gonna opt into. And there's there's really three big components to this. The first one is that you're gonna agree to act in the manner that a Heartland professional is expected to act. And while that might be understood, it's really important in a bank environment that we know what's expected. Uh, and that that happens now. Some banks might mean that might mean you have to wear a coat and tie when you walk in the bank because that's the rule. Sure. Some banks might have a requirement that you go to their their uh, business banker meeting once a month and you bring donuts and you and you give them a little presentation on Heartland. Yeah. Uh, every bank's going to have its own rules. Okay. And and the bank you get assigned to, you'll know which one that is. And we won't assign you five branches of five different banks because that's too hard for you <laughs> and it doesn't work in the relationship environment. Sure. Uh, so there's there's going to be expectations for each relationship based on that. Secondly, um. You know, we are going to ask that you as an individual uh, commit to continuing to perform at the level you consistently have, regardless of the bank opportunity, being incremental on top of that. So we're asking that you ensure uh, that your results individually, your personal best, quote whatever you want to call it, monthly production averages go up because of the bank and not stay the same it goes back to the incremental conversation. Absolutely. Um, and we're going to be looking at that reporting. And and if we find that you know you start doing the same thing or slightly better, but you have a lot of bank deals, you're gonna you're gonna probably start to be coached up or out of the banking environment and back to a world of self generated opportunities solely. Okay. Um, and then thirdly, and this is really important, and we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of checks and balances, but the banks get 25% of the deal, uh, and uh, and it's important to understand that that happens by coding the bank on the deal. Meaning, when you submit the deal, you put the bank down as the as the partner. Mm-hmm. If you're found to not code your banks, you're going to lose your banks. It's just a mutual respect thing. We have a policy that uh, in our agreement with the bank that we're required contractually to pay them on their deals, um, and so the hit you take on that 75-25 split, I mean, I'm not worried about this. We have really respectful people in this organization who understand the value of that relationship, but it's important to note that it's a requirement. Sure. So you're going to code all your deals, you're going to agree to incremental gains from the bank deals, and you're going to agree to operate within the standards we require for that bank and Heartland's ethos to be maintained. Uh, so that's the banking expectations. Okay. Um, and, and opting in will be a form you sign for now, it'll be electronic later, and you'll have to go through the training to see all that all that stuff and how it works for your team. Okay. We already have reps being assigned branches as we speak, a couple in the last... Uh, About 15 reps were assigned even two weeks ago, and we're already seeing business flow in. Oh, that's awesome. And I'll just say, there is an immense amount of money to be earned in these relationships. Absolutely. They have been um, under-managed because global sales force was too small to manage them well. And that's not a knock on anybody, it's just a reality of the numbers. And these banks are hungry and want Heartland to be their solution. And and I'll, I'll add to this a very important thing to understand. Our marketplace is changing rapidly and many of our competitors are simply going out to banks and offering them a whole lot of money to become their their their, their lead supplier, mm-hmm. right? right? Rather than work through difficult things like you and I are doing on lead management, they want to go get leads just dropping in their lap. So they're willing to pay a lot of money for them. And I mean... We're talking, John, 75% of, of ongoing revenue is often offered to a bank. Oh, yeah. We've seen some splits that are crazy. And 90 I mean, it's <laughs> insane, right? It's crazy. And then signing bonuses of a million dollars and just, I mean, it's nuts what's out there. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting. But as it's been going on now for a couple of years, we've heard some banks say to us, listen, we've been with XYZ Competitor. and I'll, I'll st- uh, save the name to protect the stupid, right? <laughs> right. But we'll be with XYZ Competitor. And we hate the service, and our customers hate the service, and they don't like what's happening with their processing. But, man, we're getting so much money from this, <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. And we said to them, well, what do you want? Happy customers or a lot of money? Yeah. Because, John, they can't afford to pay happy salespeople and keep the bank happy with the cut. Right? It, there's not enough money in the bucket. It goes back to the lemonade argument, right? Yeah. And so we have found a way, thanks to Global's negotiations prior to Heartland, that the majority of these relationships have fantastic percentages of revenue share where a 75-25 split can actually work for Heartland. Yeah. Um, and we know, because we deliver an amazing product that customers love, that we're going to have really happy customers and happy banks. Yeah. And I'm telling you, there is a windfall happening in this industry in 12, 24, 36 months where a bunch of these huge banks are going to be so fed up with how upset their customers are with our competitors' treatment of them, they're going to be calling Heartland saying, hey, listen, we're willing to take less, 25% because we know you'll take care of our customer. Mm -hmm. And so I wanna make sure I implore all the people out there who wanna work with the bank to understand how serious we are about the expectations, because I'm not just thinking about what the cost of lost opportunity is now, I'm thinking about what is the cost of us not being awesome at this, and missing out on the next big bank that wants to work with us when they realize they're tired of taking high money and crappy service.
0: Yeah, yeah, because even though the opportunity right now is hundreds of branches, which is nothing small, the potential is thousands
1: and thousands. of Tens ranges. of thousands. Yeah. Yeah. There's a potential to completely change the face of how we operate in a few years, uh, incrementally above our own our own work, right, um, if we do this well. Right. So right. The, the expectations on those assigned banks, people need to be very clear and, and hopefully hear this, like, we are going to inspect this and we expect you to perform under these three requirements in this program. Robert Michaels, who's obviously been one of the longest standing Heartlanders here and you know, done everything in the organization from selling directly to running sales and back. The, the guy knows his stuff. He's at the head of this entire program, partnering closely with Jason and I, Kent and Tony, and even you in the marketing side to make sure we deliver well for these banks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited about what that means. Uh, to your question about expectations. On the, the general lead side, um, so, so traditionally we had inside uh, um, we had in, inbound leads worked from our lead development team and we charged 10%. And on January 1st of 17, that changes and everything goes to 25%. Right. And, and the reason is that we actually are, are not covering our costs at 10% to manage the inbound lead flow. And more importantly, you don't get to do anything creative to drive more inbound leads because you don't have the budget to do it because we don't have enough of the cut, right? right? So we plan to increase inbound leads by investing heavily into that department with that, that change. Um, Now, there's also this thing of what we would call outbound lead, which Mm -hmm. is basically work your team is going to do to generate interest on behalf of a buyer who doesn't really know much about us or who we are. Um, And those leads are going to flow through a a, a team right next to the lead development team called the lead gen team. And those are people who are here in Oklahoma City in our new building across the parking lot as part of our inside sales initiative. They're on the phones. They're doing the first phone call out after your team says these people are ready to be spoken to. Right. Or from an inbound lead to do those six, 10 phone calls to qualify the lead. Mm-hmm. And then that gets assigned to a division manager that once the lead is qualified. The division managers will then choose the individuals on their team who receive the lead. And that's been the case here for several years. And diamonds have the preferential treatment where we look at them first. Uh, but a lot of things will go into play here. If it's an e when we need an e com specialist. If it's you know close to Susie and she lives 300 miles from the rest of the team, Susie will probably get the lead. Right. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but All of that being said, while we don't have an electronic opt-in at this time, when we get to that point, probably April 1, individuals will not receive leads unless they opt into the program. And opting in is agreeing that the lead will become, the opportunities that the leads close for you will become incremental to your historical ability to produce on your own. You'll act in accordance with Heartland and, and most importantly right now to you and I, you'll update the lead. Mm -hmm. so uh, Atlas is not set up currently to be super simple in the lead updating and I I hate that right but if anybody knows me you know that I I run and then I remember oh I need to learn how to crawl (laughs) first and so you and I are both so eager to get this going and see what happens with it that we're not going to wait for development to occur with an Atlas to make this simpler but we are working on it and I think by mid-summer it'll be a little smoother inside of Atlas I hope right Um, in the meantime there is ability to go update leads right now nobody does it they get a lead and they just go close it or don't close it and We, you and I, have no idea what's happening to Johnny's Burgers because it hasn't come into the service center yet, and we sent it out. And that's basically all we know. And for us to be able to manage this program and learn about where the quality lies and what's happening, people are going to agree to update their leads within 24 hours of receiving the lead and 24 hours of a change in the lead. And there'll be different statuses of those updates of, Working or appointments or waiting on decision or second appointment or closed or lost meaning you're not going to get it uh, All the way through statuses we currently have of the tote board like pended or approved or uh, Installed you know terminated etc. Right. So we are going to require people agree to update statuses use the leads as incremental to their existing ability to produce and and uh, and, and and be responsible to heartlands uh, way of doing business with those leads those are the three things we're going to ask everybody to agree to as an opt-in to be part of leads. And if they don't opt-in, that's, listen, good for them. They're that they're the warrior I was talking about that wants to go do it on their own, sure. right? And we're not yeah. going to make everybody opt-in. But if they don't opt-in, they won't be on an option for their division manager to give them that lead. Um, in the meantime, while we're waiting for all of that to be automated, things will continue as they are now where the DMs will select from their existing root divisions, and we will still have these expectations, hence you and I talking here today.
0: Right, right. So let me play devil's advocate for a minute. Sure. The, um, you know, obviously we, we started this whole conversation talking about leads versus referrals. Yep. I sell a card deal or I sell 10 card deals in a month. What is to stop me from just automatically referring all 10 of those deals over to lending or over to payroll or over to wherever, as opposed to being happy with my card deal. And then somewhere down the road, Uh, them getting caught up in one of our inbound or outbound campaigns, finding out that there's interest for another product, and at that point, obviously, the economics change. Yeah,
1: yeah. Great question. Uh, Logical and reasonable question because, you know, you found that original deal and you feel like there's ownership there, and Mm -hmm. you should. So I want to make a couple of comments before I answer the question make sure we're all on the same page. You and I are working on several different types of campaigns right now. One of the campaigns is to contact existing credit card processing customers who we have email addresses and phone numbers for and produce payroll opportunities to the spa channel because it's the end of the year and we're trying to drive payroll sales in the fourth quarter. Right. Um, and, we'll, and we'll do that based on the calendar and the opportunities over time. That, that's called a customer lead campaign because we have an existing customer and we have other opportunities for product sales that we want to plug into them. Mm-hmm. Um, the other types of campaigns we'll do might be with payroll customers for card processing. And they might be with commerce customers for payroll or card or both. They might be for lending with our existing customers. They might be for lending customers about payroll. I mean, we're going to do that inbound stuff, internal stuff with all of our customer bases because we have an immense amount of opportunity there that could drive us a long time. Right. We're also going to, uh, as you and I have committed to, find people who are not interested in Heartland today or don't even know we're out there and create interest on behalf of Heartland for the opportunity to exist for the sales rep. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a true outbound campaign. Absolutely. So to your question, let's pretend that you are a uh, credit card sales rep and you have a portfolio of a hundred merchants. And in this current campaign you and I are doing today, uh, one of those merchants becomes a referral to a spa, excuse me, a lead to a spa because of the work done internally through our lead campaign. And it's a card deal you've had for three years. And maybe six months ago, you tried to get a referral out for it, but it didn't work out. Um, you know, People might disagree with this, but you're not going to receive compensation on that deal. And the reason is very simple. And and it's hard to digest, but the only way Heartland is going to grow incrementally through a multi-product strategy is if we understand the permissions of who owns what. Uh, traditionally, 20 years ago, if I wrote Johnny's Burgers, I owned Johnny's Burgers. Mm-hmm. Four or five years ago, we started to publish that that's not how we, we feel or think anymore as an organization. As right. uh, recently as uh, six months ago, a second iteration of the new rules of engagement came out, the other one about a year and a half ago, that said there is no ownership of a relationship. And so just because you found Johnny's Burgers doesn't mean you own everything that happens in Johnny's Burgers. Right. You own the right to the card processing residual as long as they're an active customer because you sold them card processing. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that a spa can't walk in 60 days later and sell them payroll or that you can't or that the, the internal campaigns can't create an opportunity to send a lead to a spa for payroll at any point in that future. Right. The rules of engagement suggest you have a certain amount of time to create that referral before you no longer claim rights to any income off of their additional products. And I would encourage everybody listening to this, if you don't know your rules of engagement, you should go read them. They're pretty fair, they're pretty logical, and they're built around the opportunity of people really respectfully serving entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. That being said… Um, what, I, what I would make sure that to answer on your question about why wouldn't I just click the handshake button on every deal, hey, that's fantastic, right? Stronger Together has blown people's minds. I just heard yesterday, John, this is, good, this is crazy, but there's a, a couple of divisions, uh, uh, Chris Dobbins and Brian Goodwin in Tennessee, and I get that it's November and there's fourth quarter payroll and all that stuff to make these numbers look big and whatever. Right. There's $150,000 of margin hitting the tote board yesterday and today. Uh, in payroll and card referrals because those two DMs got together and drove Stronger Together with their RMs. And and I'm apologizing to the RMs, I don't know which people were involved. I'm just so amazed at the statistic that I I wanted to make sure we share it. Stronger Together is changing people's lives, right? Because now you have the ability to take a trusted person, send them into an opportunity, and make half of the income without having to do the work, and then get a deal back. The last part's where I want to focus. It's easy to throw a bunch of business across the fence if it's crappy business or it's not real referrals and you didn't really create an opportunity by introducing somebody, you're not going to likely have the buy-in support and respect of that person you sent those, the, those referrals to. right? Because they aren't qualified, mm-hmm. right? So you can click the handshake on every deal all you want but you're probably hurting your own relationships in right. your local teams by doing so if you don't actually introduce the individual or recommend the product to the customer. So, Hit the handshake on every deal, by all means. That would make us so happy to have that happen. But there's two things you got to know. One, you should make sure you talk about the product (laughs) to your customer and who's going to call them, right? And two, just because you push the handshake doesn't mean you get money in a year if it becomes a lead through you and I's lead generation efforts. Right. Right, right. Hitting the handshake means that you've given a referral to another sales professional who has a certain amount of time to turn that into a deal. And by the way, it doesn't entitle that person that got the referral to that commission either if a year later they haven't closed the deal and a lead generation campaign created an opportunity that was assigned to a different individual. right? So that's important to note, right? And it's all in the rules of engagement based on the amount of time you have to close a deal from when you start it and the activity you have to log into Atlas and all those pieces.
0: Yeah, and I think you made a great point because in a perfect world, uh, all of those are real referrals, real opportunities that have been talked about. And uh, and we don't get to market to our own customers anymore yeah. because there's nothing for us left to market to exactly them, right? the only leads that we find are people that are outside right it, it's not the case right now we would I would love for it to I'd love for people to work us out of a job at least on that part it would make it Legion. so much easier
1: right it would we would just have a lot more time to have fun that's true and not have to dream up how to find leads exactly you know exactly. to that point um, it's funny. I will just plead people because for some reason it's not happening in every part of the country. And I understand a lot of the the reasons. Some of them are rackets if we're being honest and looking in the mirror. Some of them are logical reasons, but there are a lot of long time tenured high performing type of Heartland sales professionals in the RM position currently who still haven't embraced this opportunity. And I, I, I would love to know more about why. Send me an email and help me understand what I'm – I've heard things like the spa hasn't proven to be great across the field yet or, you know, um, or I gave a bunch of leads but they didn't close. And th- There's a lot of different things in that, and I'm not going to say every scenario is a racket, but mm-hmm. I am going to say that if, if you sat me down and said, Vince, you have 400 customers and 10 of them have payroll uh, <laughs> and, and I have a way for you to get paid half of the margin and compensation on the other 390 payrolls, by golly, I'm going to spend some serious time with that spa introducing them to people because it's still easier than me going out and cold calling the next deal or finding the next relationship all by myself. Absolutely. And, yeah. and for whatever reason, it's still not taken with some people. And I, 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 I want to understand more about why because where it has, in the case of you know, Chris and Brian's divisions, I mean $75,000 of margin on two tote boards mixed between two different products by some percentage, because they're talking to each other and sharing opportunities. And so a lot of people are thinking like you just asked, my next deal, I'll hit the handshake. That's fantastic. But guys, we have 280,000 customers, (laughs) right? Right. And a large majority of those, uh, three quarters of them are assigned customers to existing sales reps that we haven't put in front of a spot. And I don't mean, here's my list, call them. I mean, call Johnny's Burger and say, hey, Susie's my amazing payroll expert. And I've been a trusted uh, partner of your business in card processing for five years. You should talk to Susie. She's unbelievable. Yeah, that kind of handoff and introduction should be happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, and and I think we have been amazed. I know you already said it at kind of what the the short term Stronger Together contests have generated. Absolutely, uh, I'm excited that Stronger Together is now going to be just a permanent component of the Diamond Program. Uh, and what that's going to look like as we add even more products into that, where it's not just card and payroll. Yeah, it affects but lending it, as well lending next year. Lending and billing yep. and ecom and all the rest of those. Yep. Um, so put yourself in back in your sales shoes for a minute. Sure.
1: I do spend you... a lot of time there. <sighs> I know you do.
0: <laughs> the um, leads have been something that have been talked about at times in the past. Oh, yeah. We're going to do leads. We're One gonna time do they leads. were promised but two per y-
1: person per week starting next year. Even
0: better. Um, what makes this time different? For those for those folks that have maybe been through this uh more than once. Yeah. What makes this time different than any of the other times, besides the fact that we're actually already running campaigns and generating leads?
1: I like how you are asking that question like you're not as responsible <laughs> for creating the leads as I am. That's right. that's fantastic spin. Um, so I'll say two things. Number one, we're not making any commitments in this moment because we haven't learned what we need to learn sure. yet. And and frankly, a big part of our learning, what we need to learn, is in them updating, them being the sales professionals, updating the leads and letting us know what's going on with the leads we're sending. Right? right. If we're sending leads that are still too cold and you and i think that they're warm enough to go out and close we need to know that absolutely but when it just disappears into thin air we have no idea right, right right um so a big piece of this is the learning curve the next six months the purpose of us talking today is not to say we have everything figured out and we're launching this thing right now it's to say guys we're going to start sending stuff across the, across the desk we're going to charge 25 percent of margin and commissions for that and we need your help making it awesome right? Is it my dream that in a couple of years everybody's getting a couple leads a week? Absolutely it is, right? I would love for that environment being incremental as it is. Right. But I, I, I'm not committing to that because sure. we need to figure it out. Good news is, I mean, just yesterday we spent three hours with some consultants. We've got a lot of time and energy being invested from the organization and the bank account of the organization helping us do this well with people who have done it in our industry very well before. Um, and so I think we're going to have a shortened learning curve to what we would have otherwise. Um, but What I I would say about it is you have a guy like you who likes to figure out complex problems behind the wheel. Mm -hmm. You have a guy like me who loves to see sales grow through creative ideas and solutions and thinks like a sales rep often, right, in much of my day. And I don't know that that recipe is going to come out with a bad cookie, right? It just might take some time and a few different tries. And uh, if people are willing to work through that with us and be – empathetic and reasonable that everything's not going to be perfect and every lead's not going to be awesome and you're not going to close 95% of what we send you, that's fantastic, right? We we want those partners out in the field. Um, What isn't helpful is a bunch of negative commentary and and opinions about things that uh, aren't helpful or constructive, right? So all your leads suck, that doesn't help us, right? Tell me why they suck. Tell me what happened when you got them. Tell me how quickly you followed up with them. Tell me if you updated the status and gave us the feedback so we knew what to do with them next. And then you and I can go chase the rabbit trail of what happened with that target, because we have all the data in our systems to see exactly how we treated that target from the moment we identified them until we passed them across the table. And we can see, okay, we sent that one too soon. We shouldn't have gone in for the kiss yet, right? Or we waited too long and we lost them to another competitor too quickly. Honestly, it's a partnership thing, and, and that's, that's not to try to flip the, the question back to the field to say it's on them, but it, it is it is a lot on them and much more on us to work together to make this thing come to life in a way that I think none of us can even imagine is possible.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll reiterate your first point about the idea of updating the status of leads because the because of the way the reporting is right now, the analogy that, that we keep using is uh, we're firing with a blindfold on, right? Yeah. And the sales professionals are our spotters. Yeah. And so if they don't ever tell us what happens, then we're just guessing based on some sort of sound feedback or that we haven't heard anyone scream yet, that we're still aiming in the right direction. But, but the more that information that we can get about, Oh, this was, they were interested, but not as much as I needed to, to close or, you know, it was perfect. I went to them. They knew everything they needed to know. It closed. Great. Or, you're, I got too many, and so I couldn't get to them in time, and so they cooled off over time. I mean, wh- whatever that disposition is, that information is so valuable to us as our spotters to make sure that we're still aiming at the right target and that we're not just firing into the crowd at that Absolutely. point.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, super important. Um, one of the things that they'll see change to uh, the, the entire organization here very soon, if it hasn't already. It's supposed to happen this week or next is um, right now when we send a lead across the fence, it's both in Atlas and in an email. And so what happens is a lot of lead knowledge or understanding is via email. Mm -hmm. And so there's no forced energy into Atlas at all. And that's changing, if it hasn't already, DMs will no longer receive the lead details in an email. It will just say, you have a lead to assign, go log into Atlas, click here to assign it and they'll assign it with an Atlas. And those individuals who get the lead will get an email notification. You have a new lead, log into Atlas to get it. Okay. Um, and, and so that might sound frustrating to some people, like, oh gosh darn it, it's so much easier when it's in my email or a text message. I get it. But you're also not updating the status because it's in your email or your text message. Right, right. And if we can live in Atlas here, this will get a whole lot smoother. And you know we supply everybody in the organization iPads, right? They've got Wi-Fi wherever they go. There's not a reason why they can't log into Atlas or the mobile Atlas and look at the dashboard, find the lead. And, and update it once they have an update for us. Um, yeah. it, you know, this, this podcast is uh, in HLA and within the paragraph of introductions, there's also a link to do a training video on how to update the statuses of your leads. So I would encourage everybody to, in this conversation when they have time, spend the eight, 10 minutes and watch that video so they know where the update of the status lives within Atlas.
0: So in a perfect world, if we're having this conversation a year from now, what do you think it looks like? What are what are we celebrating a year from now when it comes to leads?
1: Well, I'd spin that on you as the guy that's <laughs> supposed to drive it from the beginning, right? I'm just I'm just running the phone calls. I'm just ask, I'm asking you
0: for a job a year from now. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, it it and that's fair to spin it back on me. I I'm I'm excited about um, you know so much of what my team does, so much of what my team is driven by is just a passion for wanting to see our sales professionals succeed, and so the ability to give them kind of even more juice on top of what they're already doing, which is amazing, uh, gets us really, really excited that we can take those people that are doing eight, nine, 10 a month and turn them into 12, 14, 15, by giving them even more opportunities on top of the ones they're finding themselves. That gets me really, really excited. Yep. I mean, the I, and, and part of, you know, it, it There's a a million other factors, but part of getting more people into the diamond program, getting more people moved up in tiers in the diamond program uh, by means of giving them more opportunities, whether it's through bank branches or through leads or anything like that, uh, that's something that I would be excited about celebrating a year from now for sure.
1: Uh, Absolutely, I would. You know, the rubber where the rubber meets the road on this, where we're going to see if this works is if the RM averages across the organization for those who are assigned banks and received leads climb. Right. If those climb, there is an incremental result of our work in this and their work in this and the partnership we have, and we can do a whole lot more of it. And that, this is the important thing, because if, if there's anything else on this, on this podcast people here, it's probably this. If we go pour a lot of energy into this and the RM averages don't move, and individuals who are doing eight before are doing eight still, from all of this effort, it's not worth it because right. everybody just got a compensation cut, yeah. right? Because you're either reserving it to cost the cost of the lead, or you're giving it to the bank, and that's not helpful to the organization or to their families. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to look my wife in the eye if I'm a sales rep or a manager and say, "Hey, we're making less money, but we're doing the same," uh, because I'm not choosing to make this incremental. So. Right. Um, That sounds like I'm putting it back on the Salesforce, and I'm not intending for that to sound that way because it's my job as one of the leaders of the Salesforce to ensure that those changes occur and that we build the infrastructure systems, reporting, accountability, and planning to make sure that it happens. But I see this as, honestly, the sky is the limit. You you and I were talking before we started recording this, and we were talking about how sometimes uh, ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. and. We don't know as much about lead generation as a couple people who have been doing it for several years, right? Which is why we're hiring consultants and playing with different models. Um, And we found out yesterday that we're actually getting 5X better results from our leads inbound today than any company they've consulted with in the past. Right. And we were both angry about the results. <laughs> yes. We were like, why aren't these better? Why aren't why aren't we closing more? we you know, this is ridiculous. And they're like, wait a minute, what'd you say your results are? And you know, it's like, well, this is this is the number. Holy cow, you guys should be like that ignorance is bliss to us. And so I, I would I would in that manner say, in a year, I would love to see that everybody in the organization is closing a couple of leads a month incrementally above their own work. I don't know if that's gonna happen or not because it's gonna take a coordinated effort of you and me, our teams, and frankly, our field reps partnering with us to follow the protocol, do the updates, commit to the incremental gains, the bank opportunities, et cetera. But man, if that happens, John, think of the change that happens in the world because our reps, who are uniquely motivated, mostly servant-minded people, start making more money and giving more money to things that matter to them in their life oh, or, yeah. or having more financial freedom because they they hit that point in their income monthly and pay off more debt and, and they get to that thing that honestly is what gets you and I out of bed every day uh, faster and, and, and more people can come on board because they can share in that wealth at Heartland. I, I don't know. This is one of these things that has the ability to be... Uh, this huge iceberg that we don't even see because there's a tiny tip that's above the water still.
0: Well, and it's not just the families and the sales professionals, but it's the merchants they're serving too, right? Absolutely. Because if you're, again, if you're just, if it's five deals one way or the other, it's the same amount of merchants. But if it's five plus the two leads, uh, that quickly, you know, we we serve 7,000 plus merchants a month right now. That number starts climbing towards 10 which is, is exciting because those are families that are impacted. Those yep. are businesses that are impacted Absolutely. just as much as the folks that within our own, our own fold. It
1: becomes an entirely different game yeah. in a very exciting way. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, uh, that's good stuff. Yeah. I, I, uh, I appreciate it. Anything else you want to add?
1: No. Have a uh, fantastic holiday season. I don't get to talk to each of you guys and enjoy your families and uh, you know, the reason why you guys work so hard every day. And let's finish the year strong. We, uh, we have some really exciting stuff coming in early January with these changes that are upcoming, and hopefully everybody's pushing to the, the, the end of the year here to qualify for what matters most to them. And then we have even more exciting announcements we're going to make the first couple weeks of January that I can't wait to share with the organization as well. All
0: right. Thank you, Vince. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
1: It. Have a good day.